Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Hey there, and thanks for tuning in. This week's sermon was preached on Transfiguration Sunday by Pastor Jonathan Eilert. It was also a baptismal weekend for us in the community as we baptized two people. And so I hope this uh, week you enjoy the sermon and that it speaks to your life. Well, grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. On our second day in the Holy Land, when we were there this past January, I was excited for our first stop of the day because it was a new sight for me. It was one that I hadn't seen the last time I was in the Holy Land. It was Mount Tabor, where Christians have been coming to commemorate the Transfiguration since the 4th century. And there are scholars that dispute whether or not this was the actual site of the Transfiguration. Many argue that it was Mount Hermon instead, given some geographical details and other things that are present in the story. But nevertheless, it's the site where there's this beautiful Franciscan church that was built in the early 20th century to commemorate the event of the Transfiguration. And there's this beautiful mosaic in the the dome of the church when you walk into the nave there. And uh, it keeps forward. So we've got uh, Jesus and Moses and Elijah and the beautiful gold there. And uh, it's this gorgeous commemoration of, the, of the, the event. And then if we go down below, right below the sanctuary there is uh, the crypt. And down in the crypt is part of the early church. The architect, um, Berlucci, who did a lot of the churches in the Holy Land, uh, would regularly incorporate part of the older church into that. And so the first churches that we know of that were up there on the mountain uh, date back to the 4th to 6th century. And we know they began to come there. And I think one of the ironic things is, is there's a record in the 6th century of there actually being three churches on that mountain. So after uh, Jesus basically wanted nothing to do with those booths that they uh, wanted to build for him, they went ahead and built three churches up there anyway. If you walk around uh, the backside of the church, you can see remnants of the Crusader church. And then you can go up onto the observation deck. And now you can really tell you're up on the top of a mountain as you look over the Jezreel Valley that's below. But I have to say, it's not what I will always picture in my mind's eye when I think of climbing up a high mountain, because that memory is reserved for a trip that uh, we took out west when Margaret and Daniel were, oh, and uh, that's another picture, it's an old picture, Um, and uh, one of the interesting things I said about uh, the the mountain that uh, we believe the transfiguration, or at least that some say the transfiguration happened on, um, is it always kind of fits my childhood picture of what that mountain would look like. And I'm not sure if I saw this picture at some time when I was in Sunday school, saw some real image of it, but this uh, kind of high, steep mountain that, that isn't too totally high, but very steep on the sides is how, where I always kind of pictured the, the transfiguration happened um, in uh, kind of my Sunday school version of it in my head. Um, back to that uh, later mountain trip. So when my kids were very little, when we still had but two kids, we took a trip out to Holden Village where my friend Ben was the pastor. And Holden Village is a Lutheran retreat center, an old copper mine up in the Cascade Mountains in Washington. 
And uh, it's a beautiful place. My mom and my sister are headed there next week for a retreat. The village currently has 73 inches of snow on the ground. You think about that. Uh, 240 some inches for the year so far this year. We were there late in the spring, and so much of the snow had melted, but there was still the plenty of snow up on top of the mountains. The, the, the uh, mine kind of sits down in, in a, uh, the village is down in a little valley, and then there are mountains that surround it on all sides. And one of the lower mountains around the camp is uh, Martin's Ridge, that you can see up behind the, uh, the cabins there. And uh, we were going to climb up onto the top of, of um, Martin's Ridge, and it rises to about 6,800 feet. It's relatively low compared to the 9,000-plus mountains that also surround the camp. Um, but it's far different from that 1,800 feet of Mount Tabor. A few summers uh, ago, we camped at about 9,000 feet up in Utah, and then Daniel and I that same summer climbed up to about 7,500 feet in Banff, but all of that was on improved trails in the middle of the summertime. Holden, when we were there, was in the early spring. And by the time we were at the top of the mountain, we were in waist-deep snow. It was a tough climb for me. It was easy for my buddy Ben, which, of course, drove me crazy that it was so easy. But he lived there. I mean, come on, it's going to be easier for him. We had to do some dumb things on the way back down the mountain. Um, but uh, it was a beautiful moment. It was, for me, that mountaintop experience. And I'll never forget being up there, standing in the snow, looking out across the other peaks, and just wondering at God's creation and the amazement of it all. And it's there that I can picture that thought of, of Peter and James and John. It would be good, Lord, to, to build these booths and to simply stay here in this moment. I also think of climbing Harney's Peak in, in South Dakota, it's now known as Black Elk Peak, again above 7,000 feet, but again the time we hiked it, it was in the middle of the summer on an improved trail. It was a beautiful day for the climb and we had fun poking around once we got up to the top, but I always remember looking over, well first of all I remember Daniel walking up with about 10 pounds of rocks in his pocket that he kept picking up along the way, bouncing on against his legs. But I also remember a man that we met at the top of the mountain. He was looking rather reflective as he was standing there, and I, I struck up a conversation with him, and it turned out he was there with a, a little box of ashes, the last of the ashes of his best friend that he had been scattering across the country, and this was his final stop, or climb that they had taken together years before. And so there on the top of the mountain, he was saying goodbye to his friend. The mountain was a holy place that day. It's good, Lord, to be here. At the transfiguration, Jesus went up on the mountain with his disciple, and his glory was revealed. Peter, James, and John wanted to build those dwelling places for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah to stay on the mountaintop in the midst of that miraculous moment. But the scene quickly changes, and they went back down the mountain with Jesus to continue their ministry. But from that moment on, there was a difference. For now, they had seen what lies ahead. They'd seen the coming glory, and that changed their ministry forever. It seems to me that the mountaintop image is a baptismal image. For baptism is our mountaintop. It's from the baptismal mountain that we look out over the broad spectrum of our lives, and we can see them from beginning to end. 
And not only from beginning to end, but from beginning to new beginning. It's the baptismal assurance of the ending of the story that guides us in this journey through life. When we gather for funerals, we're marking the end of someone's life here on earth as we celebrate their coming into eternity with God. And as we do that, we begin that service by remembering their baptism. We remember those words spoken over them usually years and years ago. That is precisely this assurance of the future life in Christ Jesus that gives us the freedom to live our lives fully here on earth now. Assurance of the future, giving us the courage and direction to dig into our lives here on earth. This is the way of life revealed to us in the transfiguration. It's the gift given to each of us through our own baptisms. In the resurrection which followed the cross, we've seen that even out of our worst sorrows comes hope. So we put away our alleluias for Lent this Sunday as we cry out that glorious celebration word for the last time until Easter morning. We don't do it to pass through Lent full of despair because we know that Easter lies on the other side. The assurance of the future hope gives greater depth and meaning to our lives together and enables us to see life with all of its ups and its downs as a blessing from God. What a gift it is to go to the mountain. And what a gift it is to take that experience with us into the valleys of our lives. We're celebrating baptism with two families this weekend. And the longer I'm in ministry, the more I see this moment for the privilege that it is. To think about all of the discoveries these children will make over their lifetimes. To think about all of the ups and the downs, the joys and the challenges that lie ahead. And to stop in this moment to speak the words of promise. The words that will carry them and all of us through this life into life eternal. It's easy in this world to lose sight of the eternal. The clouds and the smog of our society and the, our busy living can be so thick that we begin to be blind to the eternal hope that we share. But that's why we do ministry the way that we do. It's why we continually seek ways to ground all that we do in the waters of the font. To help families and adults make those connections with their baptism. To give the gift to their children that is a beacon of light guiding them through the darkness as it's done for us who are older now and can witness to that and what a gift that has been in our lives over so many years. And in that process, to discover what a gift it is to have God walking with us every step of the way. We all need the clarity of mountaintop vision. We get mired in the muck on this earth and can feel at times like we can't possibly get out. But it's at those moments that we can look at our lives through the lens of our baptism and see that things really do look quite different. We can find hope and healing in places that many in this world would only find despair. We begin our Lenten journey this week with great fanfare from the concert on Monday to Chile on Tuesday to Ash Wednesday. And then next Sunday we begin the one journey. And the point of this year's Lenten journey is to point us 
which is the truth of all of our journeying. We are all on but one journey together, from beginning to beginning, washed in the waters and marked with the cross of Christ forever. If you haven't already signed up, I encourage you to take the plunge, find a journey group, and walk with your brothers and sisters in Christ towards the cross. Look out across the mountains. See how God has been walking with you every step of the way and come to trust more fully in the promises made to you in your baptism. Trust more deeply in these eternal promises that free you to live more fully here and now as we serve together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.